Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. I'm thrilled to be back in the studio this afternoon and real excited uh, to be interviewing um, an an amazing woman this afternoon. Before we get started, I'd love to give out, excuse me, our call-in number if you're listening to the show and you'd like to join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 888 Three two nine thirty three oh six. That's eight 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 three two nine thirty three oh six. And as always, please be sure to check out our website for all things related to the show at womentowatch.net. That's women the number two watch.net net. Uh, so I'd love to um, get right to it with our guest this afternoon. And um, as I said, I'm real excited. I've got lots of questions, and I really actually feel very honored to have her giving us some of her time. With me today is Dr. Jen Welter, and she is the first female to ever coach in the NFL. Jen, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's it's great to have you. It's a shame you just left Philadelphia and couldn't be with us in the studio, but um, I'll take you however I can get you. <laughs> I run around a lot, you know. I think that's the nature of being athletes. We sit still very poorly. <laughs> well, not only that, you're—I mean—you're just doing—you're doing so much um, outside of you know uh, the athletic and the coaching, and you know we'll get to all of the stuff you're involved in. Um, what I would love is to start with you kind of painting the picture of what a very young Jen Welcher looked like growing up in Florida. Uh, well. Very young Jen Welter was um, very animated from a very early age. Um, My mom tells a story about when she had to go into the hospital briefly for a medical procedure, and she was really upset to leave this young baby because my older sister um, did not like to be put down. She wanted to be held, and she loved a bottle, or and she did not like a bottle. And my mom was, you know, very worried about leaving me with a bottle for the first time. 
and that lasted about 2.2 seconds because from the day I got my first food on the run, I would never be picked up and, and nursed ever again. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think that, that that spirit has just carried on. I was always a really active child, um, whether it was running a race or going to the beach or, you know, surfing, playing tennis, um, which was the love of my life for a very long time. And then I transitioned later into team sports. I was always very feisty and competitive and my interests ranged from, you know, being on the math team to um, being in school plays to playing sports. And I would encourage parents to allow their kids to do all of those things because you never know which one is going to end up being a part of their life. Um, you know, I, I say I like to say I was a performer from day one, and, and now that, that serves me very well as I, I do a lot of speaking. So for all you parents out there, don't limit your kids' dreams and, and curiosities. Embrace them as much as they can. Let them be diverse and encourage them to be wonderful and competitive and great in everything that they love. Mm, that, that's great advice, really. I think, you know, the more you expose your kids to, the better chance that they'll land, you know, right where they belong. Uh, and don't assume, yeah. right? Don't assume boy versus girl what, where and uh, they should be and what they should be doing. No, I can promise you nobody looked at me as a little girl and said, oh, my gosh, you know, you're you're going to be one of the best football players of all time. Right? Like <laughs> you'll, you'll represent your country playing American football. Never once happened. <laughs> Well, tell, you know, being active and, and an athlete and just having, you know, boundless energy, I think that some most people are born with or without that. But tell me where the confidence came from in you to pursue all those things and, and try all those things. I think it was just a natural curiosity. When I was younger, I when I liked something, I, I wanted to be great at it. And I didn't really think – that there was another way. Um, but I do remember, and, and I know this happens to a lot of girls, when I started to get into that high school period, it was like it wasn't cool to be great at everything anymore. And I think that too many times we struggle with figuring out which bucket we can get into mm -hmm. um, or that we're supposed to be able to fit into. And it took me a long time to realize, like, why fit in when you can stand up and stand out? And that, I wish I could say I was that smart to have known it always in high school. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I forgot it for a while. And then it, it took me being really willing to go after something that was so outside the box, like football, that I was hearing what I couldn't, shouldn't, and wouldn't do for so very long that it finally resonated that it was something special to to be different, to stand up and stand out. And um, I wish I was smart enough to figure it out younger in, in life, but I feel really blessed to be able to tell other people that um, now. And I, I love to tell people, don't, don't settle for being an or when you can be an and. There's no rules, right? Yes. You can be a doctor and a football player. And, you know, oh, by the way, you don't look like a football player. Well, that's okay, too. Right. And. Um, and, and I love that now, you know, um, to be able to be a speaker and a coach. I say those, those are all the same things. I'm just coaching a football team as opposed to coaching life. And 
it's not that different. Um, well, you know, I, I so know that the confidence lo- was harder. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 my son played football, so I know all about those life lessons. And, and I'll never forget him saying to me one day, Mom, I've learned more about life playing football than, you know, anything else I did at school. And, and I'll never forget that because, it's, yeah. It's so true. You're, yeah. you're so right on. And, you know, to me, one of the most valuable lessons that, that especially resonates right now in our society is that football is one sport where when you look out on the field, it's very evident that it doesn't work if everybody looks the same. You need people from straight muscle to straight hustle and a whole lot of crazy. <laughs> with every shape, size, right. color, make and model yeah. to make it work, all putting their individual talents to use for a greater good. And I wish sometimes that our society could take notice um, and take note of what happens in a football field every day because I think right now that's something we're all searching for. And uh, yes. football taught me that and, and so many life lessons that, um, I, I just feel wonderfully blessed to be in the position to be able to share those. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you spoke in, a, in an interview about, you know, how football represents diversity. And when you have that, as you said, and you bring it all together, amazing things can happen. So, you know, in today's world, though, there's, there, there will always be the talk of the, um, you know, the danger behind it. It's a, it's a sport that's, that's tough and, and people get hurt. So, how do you, what do you say, you know, when, when people bring that argument up to balance um, what football does from a, from a great standpoint? I mean, there's danger in, in everything in life, right? Unfortunately, you could, you could walk across the street and get hit by a car or you could, you know, you could stumble into a wrong area. I mean, there, there's everything in life has inherent risk. And what it is about making those decisions is balancing where, where your values lie, right, and, and what things you're going to take the most from and where you're going to have the most passion. And thankfully, they have come a long way. I would never look at anybody and say football wasn't a risk. It was a risk to me. I played it for 15 years. And yet for me personally – the rewards and what it taught me were, you know, some of the best rewards in my life. And and I defied a lot of odds. But the good thing is that with football, they are now much more educated and they know a lot more about, you know, what safety looks like. You know, it's not the old school mentality of, you know, oh, you don't need water, right? Water is for, you know, you're not tough if you need water. Yes, everybody needs water, actually. We know that in every sport, in any, in every society, we know that we need water. So we're, we're not going to do that anymore. And we have learned um, more about safety and all of those aspects. So we're constantly making strides to try and make the game safer mm-hmm. while also balancing that with it being a sport that really does have a lot of, um, values to the core in terms of teamwork and and discipline and um, you know it gives a lot of kids and older kids like myself um, a sense of family and belonging that they may not have gotten in other places in their life. 
Yeah. So, you know, it's always a choice. Yeah, yeah. Did you, Jen, will you um, tell me about your family, mom and dad, and what they did? And, and uh, you mentioned a sister. Did you have any brothers? No brothers, so everybody assumes that I had many big brothers to have gotten me into this love of football. Um, my dad is um, – he is a – an army hero. He was a a medic in Vietnam who has a silver star and two bronze stars, and he taught me what bravery is in this world. And it's it's seeing the danger but proceeding anyway. You know, um, some of the earliest stories I remember of a kid were um, my dad telling me how his job, and it was the most important job he'd ever had, was to pull his buddies out of burning tanks, and. I used to ask him, you know, how did you survive the war, Dad? And he said, because I was mad. I was mad that they were trying to kill my friends, and I couldn't let them kill my friends, Jenny. And I just, it always stuck with me that, you know, that's what bravery was. It it was that you see these things, and and you know what danger is, but you have to do it anyway. And um, he really just gave me the toughness that I have, and that's absolutely balanced with what I got from my mom, who is, one of the most loving, kind-hearted people you will ever meet. Um, She softens him in a way, and she definitely does that to me, too. Um, Everybody knew my mom, right? They were like, oh, that's, you know, that's like mom, right? And um, she was an art teacher at a drop-in center for kids and, you know, just really worked on bringing the best to every situation and out of everyone that she was around. Um, And my sister is a combination also of of toughness and and artistic care. She went to art school, um, has a black belt in Aikido, and now is back in school for acupuncture. So we have a a very small family in terms of my, you know, in-the-house family, but um, a pretty awesome one as well. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, your your background, it's it's just fascinating to me because – if, if people don't dive in and really read your story and your background, they, you know, they know the football piece. But, <clears throat> excuse me, for the listeners, I want them to know that you have a doctorate degree in psychology, a master's in sports psychology, and a bachelor's degree from Boston College in marketing and HR. So I want to, you know, kind of go back for a minute and, and ask you what, you know, in college, um, when you were pursuing a marketing and HR degree, what was your, your goal at that point? I thought I was going to take over the advertising world. Um, I I loved the psychology of and the imagery around marketing. Um, I liked the way you could could help people to feel in different ways. There was always a a people focus in everything I did. I I really found it fascinating. Um, And when I when I started playing football, it actually pulled me away from the business career I had started. Um, but I was down a, a path that wasn't, wasn't for me. Um, I, I ended up doing sales. I was a headhunter, And I remember telling my mom at one point that I felt like I was dying a little bit each day because I couldn't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And it was part of that that gave me the courage to, go out for this first football team. You know, I was an athlete who was undersized in every sport I ever played. I'm only about five foot two. 
um, maybe a buck thirty. And so I had been a great tennis player, was told I would never be strong enough because of my size. I was a collegiate rugby player who got recruited for the under-23 national team and then was told um, because of my size I, I wouldn't make it. And so I had the same fear in football. And what I remember thinking is that I could live with being too small. But what I couldn't live with was wondering for the rest of my life what would happen if I if I'd had just tried out for that team, right? If I would have just tried out, I wonder where my life would be. And it was that that, you know, took me away from the business career. And once I made that team, I promised myself I would do whatever I could to stay in it and that I would challenge, I would step up to every challenge. And so that was when I redirected from business. I was running a personal training department at a gym, and I knew that there was something special in my mentality and how I went about life, but I didn't, I didn't know why, and I, I didn't understand it, and I didn't really even know that sports psychology existed. And when I found it, I was like, oh, this is me. This is me all the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And so it would be a doctorate in sports psychology if they named it that, but they don't. So um, I just love the the psychology of being competitive and, and understanding people and people through an application. Um, and when people ask me if that affected my coaching, I say only pretty much every minute of every day. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, what it, what it comes down to is if you can reach them, you can teach them. And everybody needs to be reached in a, in a little bit different way. Mm, so true. And Jen, let me ask you: Did you did you play for the love of the game, or did you play to prove that you could, or both? Um, I guess it could be a little bit of both. Um, I I grew up in Bureau Beach, Florida, which is a small town, and in that small town. Football was a way of life. You know, I used to look at those guys and I would think that they were real-life superheroes. And I I was enchanted by the game but never had a chance to play. So when I got a chance to play, it was larger than life to me. And I, I fell in love with it. I, I lovingly say that, at least back then, football was the love of my life. It was the thing that, you know... I could count on at the end of a bad day. It was the thing that pulled me through at tough times in my life. I stuck with it through the hard hits and the down days and the highest of the highs. So kind of your for better or worse. Um, and I think it proved a lot along the way. But I think you really get the furthest not by trying to prove something because that's so external. I think you get the furthest by really being in love and being challenged and frustrated and, you know, all of those things that we know goes along with the love of a relationship, but um, being willing to follow it as far as it would take you. Can you uh, share uh, a personal low that you experienced where football, you know, was there for you and lifted you up? Oh, you know, um, absolutely. 
there were there were many. Um, you know, as as a woman playing football, the truth of the game is that if you question if it was a, a love affair or not, you know, we were all playing for a dollar a game, and that was the most I ever got paid to play football as a woman. So, on any of those days that you you maybe felt like you couldn't make it or you were crossing your fingers as to whether or not you had enough money to have gas to go to practice. As soon as I would put the, the pads on um, and, and cross that line, it was like the rest of the world didn't matter because on that field, I could be a hero. And on that field, the rest of the world washed away. And, um, and I, I would wish that everybody listening would be able to find that place in this world where, you know, when you cross into that, into that world or into that zone, nothing else matters. For that little time, you, you get to be a hero. It's, it's, it's being in the flow, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter on the next play or the play after just that moment yeah I wrote a quote down that that you said I think was just so smart uh, especially for women you said balancing is taking one moment at a time and being your best in that moment rather than trying to be everywhere at all times and everything to everyone um, so I think it's in women's DNA to, to you know to say yes right and and um, overdo it and you know in the arena of women's empowerment they're always talking about balancing you know life and work and I think it's such a great reminder that it's most important to whatever moment you're in to be your best rather than getting caught up in trying to be in front of a you know a million people at once or in a hundred places is that something that you learned over time or, or as a young woman um, you know, I, I think over time, because I would listen to people say, you know, what is your work-life balance? And I would say, well, it's almost never balanced, right? Yep. If I have a project to do, it is about that project. And the people who love me in my life and support me are either going to be working on it with me or happy to grab a cup of coffee if that's all the time that I have, but they're going to support me being all in and when I'm with family I'm with family or you know when I'm out on a date I don't want to be working and so it's about finding that focus and allowing yourself to live out of balance but to realize that that's okay because you have to be focused and engaged right and you have to find the people who will support that out of balance right Everybody loses if you're not focused. And I, I laugh like, I, you know, for example, if I'm out on the field doing football drills or, or coaching a team, I can't let anything else matter or something will slip, right? Mm-hmm. And so if somebody wants my attention at that time, it'll be like, hey, I'm done at this time, right? You can have me at this time. And I promise when you have me, you'll have me. But too many times people feel fractured and pulled and 
afraid to invest themselves fully in whatever moment is most important, right? If your child has a birthday party and is blowing out the candles, listen, blow out the candles, right? Love that moment, absorb that moment, and then absorb the next one. But don't fracture every moment so that you never feel like you're on both feet. Yeah, and how do you handle the, you know, the constant barrage of, in your case, you know, you're, you're high profile. And um, I'm sure you're approached every day, all day long for asks on all different levels. Um, how, do you, how do you handle that, that information overload and the constant distraction to the moments that you're in? You know, I, it, is that, it is that promise to be present. You know, like I, I love people. And I love to invest myself fully in them, right? Like when I'm here with you and on this radio interview, nothing else matters. No one else is going to pull from this attention. Otherwise, I'm not good for you. I'm not good for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that most things can wait, right? Most things can wait 40 minutes or an hour or a day. Right? right? It's just about being willing to set those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And even my players know, and this is something important to me, like the guys that I coached and the women that I coached, you can always call me. You don't have to. You don't have to ask if it's okay to call. I love you. And guess what? I always want to take your phone call. If I don't take it, I will call you back. Mm-hmm. And that. And you know what? And if I don't call you back, call me again. And call me out on not calling you back. Right? Yeah. But yeah. you have to be willing to communicate with the people who know if I don't pick up, it's not because I don't love you or care for you or want to hear from you. It's because I couldn't. But you have permission and you have access to pester me. Right? Because you have earned that that place in my life for other people you know what you if you want my time you'll wait in line and it's just you have to be willing to do that and I I probably get chastised a little bit because you know social media wise right that's one of the things everybody wants to know what you're doing all the time and I tend to find later like "Mm, I probably should have posted at that right or I should have done this but if it feels like an intimate moment to me or I'm so invested in it and an Instagram post goes undone or something like that, I would choose people all day. Mm, I love because that. Because you can't yeah. get that time back. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I'll tell you, that's one of the things I read, uh, you know, often about you is your generosity of uh, your time. And, again, it is, you know, if I can, I'll be there. If I can, I'll answer, you know. But that openness, you're willing to – to be open and be there um, for people with the schedule that you must have, I think, says a lot about you. Well, and, you know, I look at it very simply this way. I still have the mentality of a girl who played football for a dollar a game because it was the right thing. I broke through not because I was a better football player. There were women, and there still are, who are bigger, faster, stronger, more naturally gifted. I just happened to say yes 
to the right challenges. And I was willing to, even back then, do the same thing. Yes, if I can do it, I will do it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I was put in a position to be able to help a lot of people. And that is a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is one of the greatest gifts in my life. If I can lift somebody up by sharing the struggle I went to, if I can, if I can teach them to go a little harder, um, dream a little higher, play a little bigger through something that I went through, then that is where you find the love of your life that's even bigger than football, right? Because football gave me a platform and football afforded me the, the notoriety, I guess, to have someone like you call me and, and want to share this story on the phone. So who am I to not want to do that? I, I studied psychology because I love people and I'm, I just feel really thankful that I get to share my story and, and do things like speak and go to other countries and, um, really dig in and hopefully be able to show somebody that they are capable of a little bit more greatness than they may see in themselves. Because thankfully I had people who saw me as capable of more than maybe I saw myself at times. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to continue to learn, right? I, I tell you what, when we're going to, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take a quick break, Jen, um, for our sponsors. And when we come back, we have a caller on the line who has a question for you. And then I want to hear a little bit about what you've learned from some of the amazing women that you've uh, shared a stage with. We'll be right back. This is Kristen Hilsley, financial advisor of the Foley Hilsley Group, with a big announcement. Last fall, I hosted a women's lifestyle conference to help the women who do it all take control of their finances. Now I'm excited to announce a new partnership with Women to Watch Media to help show women how to own their financial future. We'll have newsletter articles, blog posts, announcements of live events, and a lot more, all available at womentowatch.net and our own website, foleyhillsleygroup.com. I'm thrilled about this new partnership, and I look forward to being your resource for all things financial. Stay tuned to learn more or visit our website at FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, member SIPC. Log on to FoleyHillsleyGroup.com to learn more. 
That's F-O-L-E-Y-H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y group.com. Or call 610-238-6636. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. And I'm joined this afternoon by Dr. Jen Welter, the first female to ever coach in the NFL. Uh, that's just one of her accolades. Um, I, uh, I have a caller on the line, Jen. Her name is Teresa. Teresa, welcome to the show. Teresa, are you there? There we go. There you go. We have you now. Hi, Hi. Sue. Really love listening to your program and um, I'm so inspired by your guest today. Um, I uh, really could relate to how she was saying, um, you know, shining in a world of men and uh, at a a high level of sports and coaching. I played Division I uh, field hockey and lacrosse and um, went on to coach at the collegiate level one year and then uh, high school. Now I'm a teacher and uh, really do enjoy it. But um, what I found is uh, while I was training and sort of taking on the mindset of run and gun and, you know, take it to the limit, each time I would do that to myself, I would injure myself because I would really, really hit a wall and um, tend to burn out with whatever I was doing and then injury resulted. So now as a mindfulness and yoga instructor, I've kind of um, backed away from that mentality a little bit and realized that um, even the hardcore athletes need some stillness and need some breath work and mindfulness and meditation in their worlds to balance out that high intensity, that all-in, all-the-time mentality. So I just wanted to get um, Jen's uh, thoughts on how she – if she has a meditation practice, if she uh, teaches that as a motivational speaker or as a coach, and how, if at all, it's implemented at the NFL level or at the collegiate level that she's maybe seen. So I know some um, area Division One programs in football in particular have adopted yoga programs for their, their players to get some balance uh, and flexibility, obviously, for the physical body, but the mental aspect I guess I'm more interested in. So I'll take your call off the air, but I'm just really interested in your opinion on that, Jen. It's a great question, Teresa. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, each team, first of all, let's, let's just be very real, whether you're talking about um, collegiate versus uh, pros. Each team has their own identity, and, and they do things very differently. Um we have gotten a lot better, I think, about realizing that people need balance. But how you find that balance may be very different. Yoga is obviously one practice that a lot of people use. 
you know, you saw um, football programs have done things along the same, I would argue, type of mentality, had guys do ballet, um, things like that. Water therapy is very big. Um, for me personally, in, in psychology, you might use more of the visualization, decompress um, mentality, but it is a rest recovery period, and they have found that, you know, practice times are a lot shorter than they used to be. And in football particularly, what used to be two-a-days, three-a-days, grinded out, now is a very much more cerebral intensive program. So you might do a walkthrough on the field, which is going through the motions and very, very playbook specific, and then do stuff more at tempo, and you'll watch a lot more film. They also do a lot of virtual reality to go through some of the reads and visual cues that you need um, without having to go through, you know, the physical process of, of maybe getting hit and stuff. So they, they are a lot more balanced programs. But yes, yes, your recovery is as important as your work because if you don't get a chance to decompress and you are running on empty all the time, you will absolutely burn out the candle. And that's one of the reasons why I also say, you know, that's when you you might live out of balance, but eventually you have to come to balance. So if you have a short-term project that has maybe a 72-hour window, you're going to go really hard for that 72 hours and push yourself to the limit. And then hopefully, um, you know, you give yourself some downtime afterwards. And some people just function very well on that all or off principle. And you have to know what your style is. So, Jen, what is what is it that you do when you're, um, you know, needing to come off of that all in? I go to the beach. Do you? Um, I, I grew up, oh, any chance I could get. Um, I am a, a very big walk and get away type of person. I mean, when I work out, it's also very much my time. Um, whether it's in the gym with music or, you know, on cardio, I, I need that, those endorphins, that feeling. So it could be walking on the beach. It could be running. It could be, um, you know, lifting weights or dancing or something like that. But that revives me. So even, for example, when I was writing my book, um, and, you know, you have to – it was a, a very compressed timeline at times. So you'd be sitting and, and writing and reading and editing for hours at a time. I would, when I got stuck, maybe get up for 30 minutes and, yeah, interviewing and, and go for a walk or go – Remember the, the girl that's in the NFL coach? Who's her? That, you know, Jen, I think it's uh, – sorry, I just – there was some background noise there for a second. I didn't hear the last of, of what you were talking about, but uh, going to the beach for you sounds like a, you know, a, a no-brainer because that's what uh, you were familiar with and comfortable with from, from growing up. Um, you yeah, know – Back working out. You know, working yeah, out is working where out. I get my endorphins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And taking time for myself. And that's, that's one thing that most women don't do. Um, and this is a, a takeaway tip I would give them. You know, I have them a lot of the time say that, you know, they don't have time to work out. Listen, 
ladies and, and guys too, you cannot be great for anyone if you're not great to yourself. So if you feel guilty about taking 20 minutes, a half hour, an hour to work out, let me tell you something. The endorphins that you get will make you a better human, and it will make you treat everybody around you better. So the people who will love you will love you even more when you are a joy to be around. So what you need to do is shift your focus. If you are a lift person, which a lot of us are, right? A lot of us are very accountable people. That's how we keep track of what we need to do on a daily basis. Then here's what you need to do. You need to put you on your list of things to do. You need to put, I'm going to work out on my list of things to do. Because guess what? Then you're not avoiding your list of things to do. You're crossing something off. And that'll be a big mental shift for a lot of you. And instead of feeling like you're feeling guilty for spending time with your friends, meet them and go work out. Women are social creatures. A lot of us were not socialized to the gym like guys were so that it feels like our place. Well, great. Meet your girlfriend. Grab, you know, uh, go lift some weights or hit the treadmill or go for a walk on the beach, but do physical activities with each other because on the day that you feel like skipping, your best friend may not. And you'll go for her even if you wouldn't go for yourself and vice versa. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great advice because, you, you know, if you're, if you feel obligated to someone, you're, you're going to do it. Yeah. An accountability partner. Exactly. And plus, it'll be fun for you. Yeah. And this, put it on your list of things to do. Right. Um, Jen, I wanted to note, listen, you've had an opportunity to meet some um, incredible men and women, not, not just women, but, um, I know that, uh, you know, you've shared the stage with Serena Williams and Condoleezza Rice, and you were in 2016 out um, advocating for Hillary Clinton. So my guess is you've learned some things from these women, and I wonder if there's something that stands out in your mind um, as something you heard them say that maybe was kind of an aha moment for you. Um. Gosh, there's so many. Um, with each, I think it's one of the really refreshing things to me was, um, and still is, to get to know some of these women who have just done amazing things because everyone has just these pearls of wisdom that then when they say it, you're like, wow, and how I never thought of that, I don't even know. But each one has their own way in which they've defined their own special sauce. This is how I would um, how I would say it. All of them have been told at some point what they couldn't do, right, or what they shouldn't do, or that they were crazy, right? But I love crazy. I think each one of us who's going to do something great in this world is going to be told we're crazy about 867 times. So if they're telling you you're crazy when you're pursuing a dream or when you're seeing a situation differently, you're probably on the road to something earth-shattering. And that could be earth-shattering within your world, within your life, or on a grander scale. Because the truth is that change makes people nervous. And when you're making them nervous in a positive way, you're probably on to something. And that's something I've learned from 
quite a few women. And then the other one would be really, like I just said, you know, don't forget about yourself in the process. Women are taught to be selfless. We make the word selfish is like worse than a four-letter word. But if you can't care for yourself, how can you be great caring for someone else? Excuse me. You know, we we talk about that a lot, and for some reason it doesn't seem to sink in. (laughs) Um, I think there's so much that needs to be done, and women are great multitaskers. Um, You know, we're just always the first to jump in um, when there's a problem that needs solving. But you're right. It's I think, you know, we hear that message. How can you be your best self if you're not taking care of yourself? I guess it has to become habit. A lot of it is the guilt. Yeah. And a lot of it is the guilt. That's why I said you have to raise yourself in your own psychological profile. That's why I said put it on your list of things to do. Mm -hmm. If you are a list person, as soon as you go off that list, you feel guilty. So put yourself on the list. Right. It's little things like that that will end up being big things. And it doesn't have to be every single day that you make it. But over the course of a week, you need to make it more than you don't. And, yes, you can multitask. If you like to watch the news, watch the news on a treadmill, right? Or, you know, do certain things that you combine more than one thing that you would like. But don't take yourself out of the equation. You can't. No one will be good all the time if you're not good to yourself. I remember when I was coaching the Australian women's national team, the first time I went over there, I ran myself into the ground. It was the last day, and I finally made it over to the beach, which was, by the way, a five-minute walk. And I was so exhausted and broken down, and I realized I had traveled halfway across the world, and I would not taken any time for myself. And I sat down on the beach, and I just cried because I was exhausted. And when I came back the next year, for our second round of trials and selections, I made myself a promise. I would start every single day with a walk on the beach and sunrise so that by the time I got to my team, I had already taken care of myself. And you know what? I was a better coach because I was more invested in every single moment with my players because I had already invested in myself And I had had time to center myself, to be a great coach, to be a great mother, to be a great employee or wife or girlfriend or whatever it is. You have to be present. You have to be able to put your heart into something. And if your heart is not full, you cannot put it in something. And I will tell you what, it took until the last day that most of my players even realized that I wasn't there you know, at 6 o'clock in the morning, I just woke up a little bit earlier, right? And on the last day, a bunch of them decided they were going to go and catch the sunrise, and they saw me there, and they said, Coach, have you done this every day? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, we don't want to bother you. I said, you are no bother, because they were in my world at that point. And I think that we have to remind ourselves that. There will always be more things that you can do. There will always be more demands that you feel obligated to. 
But your mental sanity, your peace of mind has to be a part of the equation so that you can be that much better in everything else that you do. You know, Jen, as you were describing that, I was thinking to myself, doing that is actually a gift for them. Because if you did that every morning and then you, you know, you arrived for, for the workouts and the, and the practices, you were more loving, more patient, more kind, you know. Um, so it, it maybe if, if women look at it that way, it's a gift. You know, to, to, to take care of mm-hmm. yourself is a gift for everyone around you. Um, well, so here's it what absolutely I... absolutely is. It makes yeah. you better on every level. Yep. You are... Um, so you're someone who, obviously, you have a great deal of confidence. You are strong physically, mentally. You are accomplished. Tell me what is hard for you. You know, there are a lot of things that are hard. Um, going into areas that we're not good at sometimes is hard, right? I, I find myself um, in uncharted territory right now, right? I just I just wrote my first book, which is coming out in October, um, called Play, Bi- Play Big, right? Right, right. Uh, lessons in Living Lifts from the first woman to coach in the NFL. And that's hard because you're opening yourself up to criticism in a world that Maybe you're not known for, right? I have been more because I speak so often now, but, um, you know, anytime you you walk into uncharted waters, you can't predict what they're going to say. And for somebody who has, you know, as a player was known for being invincible, right, being um, larger than life at times, to look at and say, you know what, maybe some of those moments were so perfect and maybe, um, maybe there were times that I hurt that you didn't see it. Um, those things are scary, but I also think they're exciting because my hope is when people read that story, they'll realize that we're more alike than we are different and that, you know, it's very much not a football story. It's a life story that played out in the football field, but we're not going to talk X's and O's. So those things are scary. Um, I also find, um, you know, being on the road a lot of the times, that's hard. Um, because for someone like me who loves teams and loves being connected and really invests myself in people to not have, feel like I have solid ground, um, most of the time, that feels lonely. It's you know, it's, it's like you have the highest highs next to the lowest lows. And so you you just have to really find balance in yourself. Um, but the thing that scares me the most is that I never want to let people down because I feel like I always could be helping more people, could be doing more things. And in that, the challenge is that, you know, people ask me, when do you take a day off? And I kind of have to laugh because I can't take a day off from being myself. You know, I can't one day just just not be, you know, Coach Jen, right? Not get out um, of bed. <laughs> and that means, right. Yep. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, because if you get out of bed and you go go somewhere and someone knows you, you have to be that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I laugh and I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, even superheroes have days that they weren't that super. You know, Superman had to have days when he did not want to put on those tights. Okay. <laughs> like, that is why they have all the egos, right? Right. Nobody looks good or feels great all the time. And yet, people energize me. People save my life, right? On mm. on a down day or a day where maybe I feel like I don't have enough on the in the tank, um, having someone come up and be like, "Oh my gosh, Coach Jen, you said this, and and it really pulled me through a tough time." Or, "Oh, I read your story, and you know now I I started my own business, or I you know um, had my own podcast, or I." You know, I started working out and taking time for me. That that brings me back. Um, and it's it's generally little things, not big things. But but the fear is, you know, um, not being able to have that impact or not doing enough with it, um, or you know, that that one day it's not that important and you don't have more challenges because I always said I never wanted to live my life in a rear view mirror. You know, I never wanted to be that person who was like, oh my gosh, high school was the best years of my life. I want to continue to face forward and find new challenges. And as much as the things that I have done have been great, I want to continue to push the envelope. And the higher you go, the harder it is to find a new envelope. (laughs) Very true. I, You know what? I think, you know, the opportunities that you have had, it seems as one door leads to another leads to another. Tell me why Why did you decide to write the book? Was there, was there a, a, a moment that you thought it's time now to tell the story? Um, well, you know, it was, I think it was the significance of having finished in the NFL, I like to say that once you write your story, it can't be rewritten. Um, Hopefully you just continue to write chapters. Um, But there will be other women who come into the NFL. There already are. And yet that's one, one part of my story. So I feel like that part has at least that first season kind of capped off a very long road. Um, and I really wanted to tell some of those stories for a number of reasons. Number one was there are so many women who are, are in the trenches doing what I did in women's football, and I felt like it was a good time to be able to start to tell some of those stories of those women who have, you know, been grinding for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then also um, on the flip side, you know, my book honors a lot of men because it was men who opened seemingly impossible doors for me, whether it was Wendell Davis who challenged me to coach for the first time for the Texas Revolution or or Bruce Arians, who I would argue is a hero to every woman out there who loves football for making that step to hire the very first female to ever coach in the NFL. I think that as women, for us to really truly evolve to the next level, we have to do a better job of embracing men. And 
men and women have to work together, not fight against each other. And one thing that I've seen is that some women um, are so used to having to fight on their own that they're fighting against men and oftentimes fighting against women. It's like they don't feel like they have any true allies. And I have been very lucky to have allies um, and most of the ones who opened the biggest doors for me up until this point have been men. Hopefully, you know, in the next evolution, maybe it'll be women. But um, I I really wanted people to see how great some of those guys could be, uh, both players and coaches. And, um, you know, uh, I think that that's important messaging right now. It's so funny that you just kind of took that direction. Uh, my next question for you really was about just that, that I think, you know, in this uh, arena of women's empowerment, um, the message should never be, you know, women against men. And, um, you know, I wanted to know what, what you would say to to a man who perhaps doesn't quite yet understand the reason why having women leading, whether it's in sports or finance or medicine or technology, whatever it is, um, why it's important. What, what, what do you say to the men that, you know, perhaps are just still kind of living, you know, in that, that place years ago where it was more the traditional roles? Well, number one, I would say, what world do you want your daughter to grow up in? If you had a daughter or if you had a sister, do you, do you want her to grow up in in a world where she can be as wonderful and as capable and as smart and as sassy and maybe as big a pain in the butt as you know she is? Or do you want her to find every door closed? That would be the first one because it has to be personal. And second, you know, I believe that what diversity brings is a different vantage point. And aren't we all better when we look at things in a slightly different way? You know, I told people my approach in men's football was I was never going to outman a man at being a man, and I didn't want to, nor should I have to. I wanted to bring a unique vantage point to an already talented table. I was not trying to be a better coach than those guys or to compete with them as a woman versus a man. I just wanted to simply make my team a little better in my own special way. And maybe that was because my communication style was an easier approach or a more familiar approach for a few of the players. There is enough freaking pie on the dinner table for us to all have a slice. That's right. That's right. And it is much better if we're not competing for the same one. That's exactly right. Jen, I I have to to go, and it's the end of the show, and I thank you so, so much. Um, Safe travels, and I hope you'll stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Have a great week. Live your life with us right over today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.